Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. I want to welcome you to our radio program, The Chosen People. And I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Bobby Walter, who leads our Brooklyn branch and actually supervises our New York regional area. He lives in the Holy Land, just like I do. Brooklyn is the Holy Land uh, West. <laughs> Best bagels in the universe, my Amen. friends. Yes, thank you. Amen. But, you know, with the supply chain stuff, you know, there's a shortage of cream cheese. And so you can get the bagel if you visit, but you might have to bring your own cream cheese. (laughs) What a day we've come to. So it's not exactly the way Leopold Cohn found it, who is our Hasidic Jewish messianic follower of Jesus founder. And so Chosen People Ministries, Bobby and I, continue to follow the rabbi's vision, which we really think is the vision Jesus himself had, which was to reach a broken world with the message of his truth and his majesty and his grace and his salvation. And he calls us to make disciples, Talmudim, those who are learners. So we're the the teacher, trainer, mentors, and those we lead to the Lord are disciples. And the disciples in the first century used to travel around with the rabbi as the rabbi preached and taught. And so the early disciples of Jesus traveled around with Jesus uh, because he functioned in many ways as an itinerant rabbi from the Galilee, transversing the nation of Israel, sharing all the great truths about himself and the kingdom of God. And Jesus calls us to do much the same, to make disciples, to lead people to the Lord and then teach them the word of God and to train them on how to serve the Lord. And that's really what we're talking about during this first part of the year. And the verse that we've been looking at, which really helps us understand how to serve the Lord, because in order to serve the Lord, you have to have the Lord's priorities. The Apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, who himself was a Jewish believer, wrote these words in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Bobby, before I turn it over to you to comment a little bit more on Romans 1.16, which I know is one of your favorite passages, I just want to make a couple of points. Number one, everything in this verse is in the present tense. Mm -hmm. I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's present tense. It's the power of God for salvation. That's not a was, that's an is. It's not a will be, it's an is. Then he says, to everyone who believes, always true. Remember, we talked about God calling Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. And one of the promises was, I will make you a blessing to all the nations. But then you have a real curveball here. And that is, Paul adds, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the question is, it's to the Jew first. It's not was to the Jew first. Was it, Bobby? (laughs) You know, there's a long answer and a short answer to this. I'll just give you the short answer. Grammatically, in the Greek in Romans 1.16, that present tense verb is, right? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That is the guiding verb that sets the tone, that lets us know the time, 
and the priority and the aspect of the entire verse. So, as long as, just logically, as long as the gospel continues to be the power of God for salvation, which, you know, last I checked, yeah, it still is the power (laughs) of God for salvation. As long as it still is, well, then it still remains that it's to everyone who believes, and it's to the Jew first, and also or equally to the Greek. Now, you can't really talk about the gospel going to the Jew first unless you understand something about the Jewish people, right? Right. And so that was part of the promise, too, where God said to Abram, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. Okay, we see that there's a land involved, but I will make you a great nation. And so we know that the creation of the Jewish people is something that God initiated. So in other words, when he wanted a bridge of redemption to a dark and sinful world, he didn't leave it to humanity. He actually chose the father, chose the mother, Sarah, and then opened the womb miraculously so that a child would be born. There would be no Jewish people if it wasn't for this miracle of God. Because he is the God of the universe, he can interrupt his own natural process and do whatever he wants. And so God created something in Sarah's womb that shouldn't have been there. God performed a miracle. And so Sarah was pregnant with Isaac, and God's purposes could now be accomplished. So you had the creation of a miraculous group of people that were created by God for a holy purpose. And it really drives us to a Hebrew word I really love. It's the Hebrew word bachar. Mm-hmm. And it's the verb to create. For example, in Genesis 6-2, we read about the sons of God choosing wives. The same Hebrew term is used in 1 Samuel 17:40. David chose for himself five smooth stones. The word in itself is easy to understand. It speaks of a discriminating selection amidst available options or maybe even no options at times. So some of the people God chooses seem to have some type of innate worthiness. Others have no internal merit that would make God choose them. So the choice is really made solely by the will of God, not the worthiness of man. God chose judges and prophets and Gentile leaders like Cyrus. Uh, They were selected for service. But there are other ways to describe with a variety of really picturesque Hebrew words. Hebrew is a very, very descriptive language. And so there's another word that's used to describe the Jewish people, which, again, sort of takes into consideration the chosenness of the Jewish people. And that's the Hebrew word segula, which segal means purple. And so it refers to the purple dye that was used to make kingly robes in the Old Testament times. Do you know that word, Bobby? Yeah, yeah. Segula is a treasured possession. And honestly, when we look in the scriptures, this is a word, it's it's used eight times in the Tanakh or in the Old Testament. And six of those eight times that it's used, it refers to Israel. So in Exodus 19.5, in Deuteronomy 7, 14, 26, in Psalm 135, and in Malachi 3, it's all used referring to Israel as God's treasured possession. And in ancient times, this word, segulah, referred to the unique treasure that a conquering king chose to keep for himself from among all the spoils of war. 
So if you think about this, if you think about Israel being God's treasured possession in these terms, like he is the conquering king, and of all that he has conquered, all that he now takes possession of, Israel becomes that special, set-apart, treasured possession. Absolutely. And so these are are great descriptive terms, and there'll be other terms that we'll come to also, uh, particularly some Greek and New Testament terms. And so God not only chose the Jewish people— He treasured the Jewish people, not because the Jewish people deserve to be treasured, uh, as none of us deserve to be treasured by God himself, but because God had put his hand upon the Jewish people, he decided to love the Jewish people, and he called the Jewish people for a special purpose. Let me read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, one of my favorite passages, and I think this passage really nails it. He says, The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you, because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, that's the Abrahamic covenant, the Lord brought you out, that's from Egypt, by a mighty hand and redeemed you from slavery, from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh the king. And then there's an obligation given to the Jewish people, which is critical. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation, and those who love him also keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their faces to destroy them. He will not delay with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. I'll bless those who bless you. Curse those who curse you. And through you, Israel, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And just to stop it here for a moment, two major ways the Jewish people ultimately bless the nations. Number one, through the writing and the preservation of the Bible. And number two, to bring Jesus, our Messiah, into the world. Jesus was born of a Jewish virgin in fulfillment of other prophecies. So from Isaac to Jesus, we have two incredible, miraculous verses which speak very clearly of God's intention to choose a nation and from that nation to choose a person who would be the savior of the world. Israel and the Jewish people have played a huge role in world history and are still an important part of God's plan. After all, God chose this tiny people group to bring salvation to the whole world through Messiah Jesus. If it weren't for the Jewish people, we would not have a relationship with the Father as we have it today. But sadly, many Jewish people still do not know Jesus as their Messiah, and God's heart still breaks for them. So let's join in their story, playing the role that God wants us to play in their salvation. As Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 1.16 Do you want to see the power of God in 2022? Unite with his heart to reach the Jewish people for Jesus, and you will see him unleash his purpose, promise, and power in your church and community like never before. Let's make God's priority our priority on January 16, 2022. To learn more, just visit chosenpeople.com slash radio. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. So, Mitch, we've been talking about God's plan for his people. 
And as you know, one of the blessings uh, in our ministry with Chosen People is that we get to hear from Jewish people all over the world who have found shalom, peace through God's plan and purposes. Yeah, we're going to hear from Mitch Schwatt, a dear friend of mine who lives in New Jersey. He's a wonderful believer. His mother is a wonderful Jewish believer, as is his wife. We're going to hear a very, very powerful story. I was about 22 years old. I came home to Long Island for dinner. As soon as dinner was over, my mother got this kind of weird look on her face, like something uncomfortable is going on. You know, I have something really important that I want to tell you all. Uh, it's very difficult for me to say, and, and I know you're going to think I'm crazy. And we're like leaning on the edge of our chairs. Couldn't imagine what was going to come out. And she tells us that she now believes in Jesus. Oh my God, I don't even know who that woman is sitting there, but I don't know her. That's not my mother. The rabbis have looked into the Hebrew scriptures for thousands of years. If in any way spoke of Jesus or pointed to him, they would know. When dinner was over, the three of us got her from the table wondering, what do we do now? But that night, sleeping in my old room, my old bed, I had a very profound experience that I guess I'll refer to as a dream because I don't know what else to call it. In the dream, I wake up, I look at the back wall of my room, and the wall is gone. And there's a storm. The wind is howling, and I'm saying they're kind of cold and wet now, and it's in the night, and I'm seeing all these people running past me, with their hands over their head like they're running for their lives in panic. And I'm wondering, what is going on? Why are they all panicking like that? And a voice says to me, if you listen to what I tell you and do what I say to do, you won't have to worry. The rain's not going to hurt you. The wind's not going to blow you. And the first thing I noticed when I sat up is that I'm all wet. What in the world was that? Was that God speaking to me? It was a very peaceful uh, state uh, as wild and unusual as it was. But I didn't get the whole message of the wind and the rain and listening to him and not having to worry. So I'm going back to the things I used to be doing, which was you know running around with my friends. Tuesday night we know we went to this club. On Wednesday night it was that club. Dating this one, dating that one. Every night was a different club where to go. I have some money in my pocket, so I'm like, hey, you know, life is great. The world is my oyster. And by and by I'm starting to Realize that, you know what, it's not quite as much fun as it used to be. Where is this going? I really hope there's something more to life than just, you know, where's the next party or, you know, gee, is this, is this really it? So that next, maybe six, eight, ten months later, I remember, it was the summertime, and uh, I came down with mononucleosis. So here I am alone in the city, Sick as a dog, I do what any good Jewish boy would do. I came home to mom. And every afternoon, she's bringing me in these little things to read, these little pamphlets, these little tracts, little scripture booklets. There's all these prophecies about the Messiah and the Hebrew Bible, about where he'd be born and when he'd come and what he'd do and how he'd be killed. And I was thinking, what? Never heard any of this. And these pamphlets are also talking about how all these things are fulfilled by Jesus in the New Testament. What, what? And I saw looking up, are these things really in there? And sure enough, they are. Every one of them is in them. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to make of this. My mother says to me, 
hey, guess what? I met a uh, Jewish rabbi, and he's a believer in Jesus. And we started attending the Bible study every Tuesday. And now for the first time ever, I'm meeting other Jewish believers in Jesus like myself. My whole lifestyle that I was used to was now over, running out, going to parties, dating. What was I going to do? So I began to pray for the first time. And one of the things I was praying for was, God, you need to really show me that this faith in Jesus is real because look at all I've given up, being ostracized, and life is crazy now. And I'm reading a story in there, and it's Jesus speaking. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And those words, like, jumped out at me because I realized that was exactly my dream that I had 17 years earlier. If you listen to what I say and do what I tell you to do, you won't have to worry. This was an answer to my prayer of God confirming that this was all true. Really, I guess for the first time, a real peace started to enter my life that I finally have focused my attention on something real. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. So, Mitch, we've been learning about God's promises and His plans. And just to follow up on what we've talked about earlier in the program, how God chose the Jewish people as His segulah, His treasured portion or treasured possession, which is also an inheritance. Yes, the Hebrew word nachalah is used in Isaiah 19.25 and Joel 3.2, where Israel is described as my inheritance, the Lord's inheritance. But nachalah, the, the Hebrew root is nachal, which refers to property inheritance. And nachalah is sometimes translated as possess or possession because of the obvious, once we inherit it, we possess it. So we see the word often used in parallel with segulah. The Jewish people in the land of Israel are God's unique and cherished treasure and his inheritance and his possession. And so that's just another way that the language in the Old Testament describes God's relationship to the people and even to the land of Israel. Right, right. And I know that that some out there may be wondering because sometimes the idea is put forth or the question is put forth concerning Israel's ongoing chosenness even to this day. You know, since Yeshua, since Jesus has come, is Israel still chosen or has the church replaced Israel in any kind of way? And sometimes there could be confusion about this. And I think the principle that we find overall throughout the entire Bible is that our disobedience can never outrun God's grace. Right, right. It's a great picture. Right. So, in Romans 11, this is how Paul talks about Israel, okay? Romans 11, beginning in verse 25, says, For I do not want you, brothers, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until right? And that, that word until is very important for us because it tells us that, yes, a partial hardening has happened to the nation, okay? So, the collective entity of Israel, but it, it has an end. It's temporary. A partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so, all Israel will be saved, just as it is written. 
The deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So God's plan, God's chosenness of Israel is still in effect. It's still ongoing. And we continue to read Romans eleven twenty eight. From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They cannot be revoked. So Paul answers it for us very clearly here. Israel remains chosen by God. Despite the fact that the nation rejected the king, God has not cast off the nation. His promises, the chosenness, the treasured possession, the inheritance, it is still valid, it is still ongoing, and it has not and cannot be revoked. I think uh, Romans eleven twenty eight and 29 are so critical because uh, that's where Paul says that all this is done for the sake of the fathers. Mm-hmm. And again, who are the fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right. It's exactly what we've been talking about. Right. That Abrahamic covenant, it just flows all the way through Scripture from Genesis 12 all the way through the book of Revelation. But the covenant is irrevocable because it's unconditional. It's not like the Mosaic covenant where God said uh, through Moses, if you don't obey, you'll be judged. And if you do obey, you'll be blessed. In the Abrahamic covenant, it is God who actually brings about the obedience of the Jewish people. Therefore, they are blessed. And so uh, God will never break the Abrahamic covenant. And ultimately, when the Jewish people are ready and God's prepared the hearts, then the Jewish people will turn to Jesus and Jesus will return. And that's exactly what that passage in Romans 11 is talking about. And it's it's sort of the capstone of the Abrahamic covenant, although there's Abrahamic blessings flowing throughout the kingdom period also, where Jews and Gentiles are gathered around the throne and enjoying the presence of God. Banquet after banquet, I mean, Will there be buffets in heaven, Bobby? I can tell you, you know, <laughs> there's got to be. We have some detailed descriptions of it, so I'm, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Just don't want to eat some of the Leviathan or anything like that. <laughs> right. So we have a lot to look forward to, and it's all built on the solid rock of the Abrahamic covenant. And, uh, and of course, uh, Jesus is in the middle, and through his death and resurrection, ascension and his return, he holds everything together as he did in his powerful hand, according to John 1, when he created the heavens and the earth. So this is a great story. And I think that a lot of us are going to really be surprised at how important uh, the Abrahamic covenant is in our Bible reading. I hope that we're tipping you off to it. Maybe you already know, but I hope that the Abrahamic covenant will become one of the key critical lenses through which you understand the entire biblical story. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. And to complement this study of God's plan and purposes for the Jewish people, Mitch has actually written a book that we'd love to send you. We'll send it to you free of charge when you call us at 888, the number 2, Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A, that's his Hebrew name. And you can also request a copy online when you go to chosenpeople.com slash offer. And we look forward to hearing from you soon.
And if you'd like to partner with us on Sunday, January 16th, be sure to get in touch with us. We'll be working with churches and congregations all across the country. Just visit chosenpeople.com slash radio. And now to close us with the Aaronic Benediction, here's Dr. Michael Rydonik and Dr. Mitch Glazer once again. Yivarechacha Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai panavalecha V'yaseim lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem shall Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. <laughs>